So last week, I began this series, which will be a three-part series on better with time. And last week, what I attempted to do, I want to do this week. I want to talk about the ministry God has given Valerie and I, and in all these years, uh, what we have learned. And it'll be personal, but I believe it'll be a revelation for you because all of us have learned things we would not otherwise learn had it not been that the Lord allowed us to go through some places. Amen? And these things that I've learned from the Lord, which are 12 in number, signify how it made my experience better with time. I think we'll have them in common, so you'll be able to say the same thing. Last week I spoke about three thoughts. I wanted to speak about four, and I'll just touch on the fourth that I didn't get to speak on. First I talked about is God is faithful, meaning He's better with time because of His faithfulness. Amen? The second thing I told you last week is He is an on-time God. Here's a third thought. There be more for me than against me. If there were a thousand against you, and you and God were the only one defending your position, you and God would be all you need. And it won't be because of you, it'd be because of him. There'd be more for me than against me. Hallelujah. I'm processing things. Do you want to say that? Do you not want to say that? He supplies my needs. In my journey, the greater my need, the more of God. God didn't quit meeting my need when I needed a million dollars. Not me personally, but if he wants to do that, I'm all for it. He supplies my needs. And I want you to note this, please. This is a really, a real help to me. See if it won't help you. Sometimes God will supply our need in the most unusual way. Wow. Let me give you this. A story I heard some years ago, and I wrote it down again. The story is told of the widow who lived next door to the atheist. The atheist could not stand to hear her speak to God. The houses were close enough to each other so he could hear her pray. That made him mad. One day she was asking God for some grocery items. The atheist heard her praying this grocery list and it made him mad. So he said to himself, I am going to buy those groceries, bring them to her house, and tell her I bought it and not God. He did just that. When he brought the groceries to the door of her house, she was ecstatic. She kept praising God for answering her prayers. He stopped her and said, ma'am, God did not supply these groceries, I did. She praised God even more. And he asked, what are you doing? She said, God did a greater miracle than I thought. He asked, what do you mean? And she said, not only did God answer my prayers, but he used the devil to do it. <laughs> Mysterious ways that God answered our prayers. So don't rule it out. Here are a few more secular thoughts regarding things that get better with time. I don't guarantee they do, but it is suggested that the following items get better with time. Number one, investments are supposed to get better with time. Amen? Well-guarded, well-taken-care-of-well-invested investments. Number two, parenthood gets better with time. Or it should. I have seen some. It didn't. No, it didn't. Uh, 
senior citizens discounts. Get better with time. I know that. I was not going to know that. I vowed to myself I would never take a senior citizen discount because I would never be a senior citizen. I pay 53 cents for McDonald's coffee. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that discount. It gets better with time. Uh, wisdom should get better with time. Amen? Trees, planted trees, should get better with time. Uh, here's this. Medical advances get better with time. I like that. Uh, surgeries are done now with less uh, intrusion. And that's good. Your style gets better with time. Your judgment gets better with time. And I have seen some of your styles and your judgment is not getting better with time. <laughs> your vocabulary gets better with time, or it should. Antiques should be more valuable with time. Amen? Uh, love, I think that's a good thing. Love should increase with time. Amen? Uh, allergies, you know, <laughs> should get better with time. If it doesn't, good luck. <laughs> so here are the main thoughts today. Number one. Perhaps you have it on the screen. God does not have to explain himself. In order for my life to get better with time, God allows me some stuff that is not good. Seems to get worse with time. But he doesn't have to explain himself. The case in point. Uh, there have been my experiences when God was uh, in the house of God in the membership he was pruning the house. You know when you prune a limb or a branch or whatever, you, you prune it so that it can grow a new branch, leaves fruit. Well, sometimes in the house of God, God will do that. Because there are some in the house of God who uh, really don't have the best interests of the things of God, nor the house of God. And so God has done it at times when I thought we should be adding members, He was subtracting. There are times when the church needed additional funds to be able to take care of its financial commitment and the Holy Ghost said, send some money to this person or to that college or to that orphanage or to that Bible school. He, he didn't explain it to me. And here we have, if you will, Gideon, who's a case in point. Gideon is called to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites. So, so let's get a, uh, let me see if I can kind of put this in a capsulated way. Let's get a story like this, because that's how it goes in the Bible. The Midianites are the enemies of the Israelites. The Midianites have hooked up with the Amalekites, and so now we have a double portion number of enemies against the Israelites. Listen to what happened. The, uh, the Midianites so dominated the Israelites that every year when the Israelites planted their crops, and, and did all of their items to get ready for harvest, as soon as the Israelites got ready to harvest their grain and fruits and vegetables, the Midianites would come in like a horde of locusts, swarm. And they would bring their horse and their donkey and their camels. They would bring their tents. They would come to stay until the harvest season is over. They would stay in the lands of, of the Israelite until the Israelites had nothing to harvest for fear of the Midianites. The Israelites were so afraid of the Midianites, they would hide in caves and mountains and uh, behind large rocks. Because had they been discovered by the Midianites, the Midianites would kill them because that would be one less mouth to feed. And so, in the midst of all this uh, dominance and greed and potential starvation, God intervenes when the Israelites call out to God. They first had to repent. How many know in order to get God's attention... You hadn't living right, you got to repent. Yeah. 
Can't be asking God for no favors if you ain't living right. That's free. It's not even in my notes. Put it up on the screen. Here's the predicament again of the Israelites. This angel appears to Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Can't you see I'm hiding behind a large rock? Can't you see I'm threshing out some grain that I stole? And when I do, I'm going to grind it and have a little bit of flour or whatever grain to make a bread or so. I'm hiding in a hole and you got nerve to call me mighty man of valor. You got to explain that, God. He said, no, don't. Look what Indian says. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Huh? You ever ask God, by the way, whose side you on? Y'all act like you're so righteous. You have. I have. Pray for somebody and they get worse. Pray for your children and their fever still stay up. Have you asked that? Pray for somebody and I thought it quote scriptures. Gideon is absolutely right to ask that question. He'd been hiding in a hole for a long time, and his fellow Israelites, and nobody showed up to help him. And now I, I, Gideon says, well, you call me a mighty man of valor. I come from a tribe that's least in the tribes of Israel. I, I come from a clan that's least in my tribe. And I've come from a household where I'm the least in my, and you call me mighty man of valor? And, and then, where are all the miracles, God, our fathers, our grandfathers, everybody said to us, did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? I don't see your plan here, God. You've you got to do some explaining. I, I'd like to ask you, God, uh, I mean, you need to understand that things are not getting better with time. So here's what God says. I got this plan I want you to carry out. I want you to blow the trumpet all over the tribes of Israel. I want you to send messengers and heralders and, and tell them let's gather in so place and so place and let's go under the sword of Gideon and the sword of God. Well, there was a lot of people frightened from the Midianites and Malachites, so 32,000 showed up when that meant that the ratio was Ten Midianites to one Israelite. I don't like those odds. And so God says, all right, take the 32,000 you got, but hold on just a minute, Mr. Gideon. You got 32,000, you probably got 100,000 or more of the enemy. But here, here's what I want you to know. If you take those 32,000 and you whoop the Midianites and the Amalekites, you're going to say, look what I have done. God say, ain't nobody going to get my glory but me. <laughs> ah, I'm going to buy this CD. I promise you. This is good, really good. Ah, so God says, I want you to tell everybody who is afraid of the 32,000. They're afraid. Go home. 22,000 left the man of God. <laughs> You talk about odds being bad before. I can just see the 22,000 going, whew, thank you, Jesus. I was just going because somebody said to come. I didn't know we were going to do this. 10,000 left. God says, you're still going to say if y'all won, if you win, that, that y'all did it. So I'm going to thin them out a little bit more, 10,000. Take them down to the river. Here's what we're going to do. Don't forget, Pastor David, when I go down, you pick me up. And everyone that lays on their belly and drinks from the river, just like this, separate them. But now everybody else that kneels down, 
dips their hand in the water and laps it up. Them's the tongues, people. Y'all didn't get that. Don't criticize the tongues, people. They're going to win the battle. I don't mean anybody else should be left out. 300 people. <laughs> Where are you, God? I started out with 32,000. Here's what God says. Now, he don't want to explain himself. He got a plan. He don't want to tell me. I just have to obey. I just need to go down to the creek. Gideon says, we're going to divide you in groups of 100 each. One, two, three. Okay. Gideon says, uh, I'm going to give each of you a jar, clay jar. I'm going to give each of you a torch. And I'm going to give each of you a trumpet. And Gideon ascends the mountain where he can look down. It's nighttime now and it's late. And it's time for the second change of the guards. And he stands on the mountain where he could see all of them in the valley. And he sees the scores of tents and maybe some lights around and the animals and the people sleeping. And, and Gideon says to the three of the groups of 100, do what I do. Oh, mama. I just heard Jesus say, do what I do. So he put the trumpet to his mouth. They put the trumpet to their mouth. <laughs> now these boys down here, they're in their second sleep. They hear the trumpets in the middle of their sleep. It sounds like a thousand trumpets. They jump right out of their pajamas. They outran the donkeys and the camels. In the midst of that chaos... Gideon breaks the jar, and the rest of the 299 does it. And the sound of the jar sounds like maybe a thousand men are coming after them. And then they lifted up the flame. And when the Midianites saw the flame, they thought, man, there are more against us than for us. And they ran for their lives, leaving livestock and food and grain and linens and sheets and tents. Because when God does it, he overdoes it. Hey, hey, li listen to this. Uh, you remember in the Bible, Jesus Christ comes into a town and, and the, there's a man there who is blind and, and the question is asked by the disciples, Jesus, uh, how come this man is blind? Was it because his mother and father sinned or was it because he sinned? Jesus said, neither. This was done so that the works of God might be manifested. Hallelujah. And so the man was brought to Jesus in his blindness. Jesus kneeled down. Take some finger and make some mud. Which is over his eyes. <laughs> if I was there in that crowd, wait a minute, Jesus. He is already blind. Did you know that? What you got putting mud in a blind man's eyes? That, that's cruel. God explained himself. And then he compounds it further by saying, now go down to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes. Amen. Jesus, somebody had to bring him to you. How's he going to get to the pool? <laughs> Jesus, mind your own business, Alan. Mind your own business. Got down to the pool, <laughs> took the water, washed his eyes, scales fell off, and the first face he saw was his healer. His healer. His healer. That's what I need to see more of. I don't have to understand why the mud. I don't have to understand why the pool. I just have to understand that I was blind and now I see. And that's the bottom line. Ooh -wee. 
Well, I, uh, I got more notes than I got time to preach. Look at this. God will not always keep me from the storm, but he will keep me in the storm. Has that been your experience? God will not always keep me from the storm, but he'll keep me in the storm. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea and so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and said, they woke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the storms. And there was a great calm. Jesus knew before he got in that boat and put his pillow down to sleep, there was a storm coming. I act like because I'm surprised by my storm, God surprised me. I only got one person helping me preach here this morning. One. One Laura Mead, brother. I had one brother doing that front row of that service. And I think two things were going on with that brother. He was anointed and he was annoying. But we got past it. And I told him in front of everybody. We're preaching together, brother. <laughs> the disciples didn't know there was a storm coming. Have you ever been there? Jesus knew, and the disciples knew. And Jesus said, I'm not going to keep you from the storm. But when it arises, all you have to do is say, Jesus. I will be with you in the storm until the storm is over. If you know that to be an experience in your life. Hey, uh, l- l- listen to this. If, if you identify, then, then, then you can say amen or something. But, but there are these kind of storms. Satanic attacks. Personal sufferings. Marital conflicts. Financial limitations. Temptations. Addictions. Bitterness. Unforgiveness and revenge. And so, having said that, they, they awaken Jesus. And here's, here's this thing. In another reference, not this one in Matthew, it says that when they, they went to awaken Jesus in the storm on the Sea of Galilee, and as they awoke Jesus, they, they asked this question, Carest thou not that we perish? What kind of dumb thing is that? You know, they say, with a knuckleball, I don't know what it is either, but just a pitch, pitch with a knuckle, this we call it knuckle, right? that some pitchers use it because when you throw it, you don't know where it's going. I just threw one. For almost 40 years, this has been my first lady and my only lady. You're my third lady, right? How foolish, Valerie, if I were to call on you, our history together, and ask you for help, and you knew it was a genuine need for me to say, don't you care, honey? I never said that. You love me. You know better than that. <laughs> I, I know these guys, not all of them here. One, two, three. Any other staff here? Take note of that. <laughs> I have been around. What? Oh, yeah. Sorry, brother. What you doing in the dark? Damn. Every one of these guys I just pointed to. We will fight for each other. We, because... He is not an island. He, he, he. 
It would be foolish for me to say to Pastor David, don't you care? Jesus said, I raised the dead, man. Y'all were there. I fed 5,000 with two loaves and five. Y'all were there. When, when, when you couldn't take care of needs for yourself, I met your need. Jesus could say, we went up to a mountain and there was a man bound with chains and his body was lacerated because he cut himself so much to get rid of, a, of what might be a thousand demons called legion. And you guys saw me set that man free by casting out the demons. They went in a pig and they died over the mountain. How dare Jesus said to them, oh, ye of little faith. After all I've done, you ask me if I care. They're human. He stood up and spoke to the winds and waves. And they were, they were calm. Let me say this to you. This is going to seem per personal and it's going to seem a little risky. But I'm led to say it. Sometimes. When I come to this house to preach this word, I bring stuff with me. I bring stuff with me. I don't mean that I bring a praise song or some energy drink. I bring stuff with me right here that I can't tell you about. And I can't always tell her about. Sheila. And hear me, brothers and sisters. I got to find a way, Brother Jose, to leave that right there before I get up right here. Because you don't need to be lacerated and beat down because I got something on my mind that I can't. I can't tell you the times when I've had to do that. You don't, don't feel poorly at me, okay? And if you do, don't tell me. I have a friend over there, you can tell that silver-headed, about 90 years old. Uh, I have had times when I've had to confront people living in sin. It wasn't imaginary sin. It was sin. You see, the Bible tells us rebuke and correct and discipline in righteousness. If there's a cancer in the body of Christ, get it healed or surgically remove it. And here's what I want you to know. I'm talking to you about how he, Jesus, in our storm takes care of us. More times than not, when I confronted people with their stuff, sin, Brother Sammy, more times than not, when I confronted people with their sin, they left the church. As if leaving one church, they won't take it to the next church. <laughs> Let me tell you. Is that Tommy Powell? That's your dad and mama. I expect some amens, Tommy. <laughs> this, is, this is Trey's mom and dad who serve as administrative bishop. In our denomination, good to see you. Uh, I have, I have had people sit in my chairs in my office, and when I've confronted them with marital infidelity because I knew about it, they lied. That doesn't mean that is ogilvy. 
that means I'm still praying for that person and I can't take them up there. I got to leave them right here. saying to you while I say that about me when you come in those doors you got to leave it there just like I got you got to leave it there because if you bring it in this house you will cause it to steal your joy One more thought. I have learned in the years more about the unconditional love of God than I have just starting out. We used to sing a song in the church of God. It gets sweeter as the days go by. It gets sweeter as the moments fly. His love is richer Deeper, sweeter, sweeter, sweeter as the days go by. I have always had this desire. I don't mean this in a sort of a negative way, but I've had this desire many, many years that when Dr. Billy Graham passes away, I want to go, if it's within distance, to respect and honor his legacy. As a boy in Trinidad, we would see the black and white reel-to-reel films. I may know what reel-to-reel is. And those who are under 30 thinking, real to real? Get real. I would see him in black and white with a boom mic in front of him and his Bible in his hand. And he's got that finger pointed. Billy Graham would not compromise salvation. He would tell it like it is. And I thought, man, I heard some recent sermons. I thought, praise God. No wonder he had millions come to Christ. But through the years, I, I followed him. Everybody got a hero. Have you got a hero? Yes. Raise your hand if you got a hero. There's five of us. <laughs> if you will, brother. We went there, Pastor Calvin Smith and I, the Monday before his funeral on the Friday. Charlotte. We had to park in parking decks at the airport, be transported to the library and his boyhood home. And in his boyhood home, uh, he was lying in honor, rest. And we go by his casket. A lot of you by now know about his casket. You know that the casket probably didn't cost more than $200. You know that his wife was buried in a similar casket. You know that the casket was built by inmates at the Louisiana State Prison. You know that it was very simple, pine. Oh, man, what I could learn from Billy Graham. Do you know if Billy Graham needed a casket and they take up an offering, they could probably buy 20 caskets. He always deflected the praise. I feel the electricity now that I feel then, felt then. So we passed by this casket, maybe eight feet from where we passed. Matter of fact, there's a lady in the church here who was looking at the live feed who saw Pastor Calvin and I passing through. So if y'all doubt it, I'm going to get that feed and say, look here. 
We went through twice. Here's the point I'm getting to. On the day of his funeral, his children spoke, I think from the oldest to the youngest, whatever succession that was. You ought to see that. You ought to go PBS and pull it up, and it's going to be worth your time. And I'm talking about the unconditional love of God. Y'all still all right? Ruth is, her, is the third of his children. She stands on that platform with the barn-like looking library behind her. Her hair is blowing in the wind. She probably now is in her 60s. And when it came her occasion to speak words about her daddy, she said this. Some years ago, she said, I was divorced after 21 years of marriage. She said, my family, meaning the entire Graham family, or those who were then married, thought it would be best for me to move away and get away from here. So I went to my eldest sister's house, some miles removed, another state. Went to live with her. Children went. She said she also wanted to find a good church when she moved. And she found this church, started attending, and not long after attending, the pastor introduced her to a handsome gentleman. She said they started dating, and they dated what she called fast and furious until when she said to her children about her intentions of marriage, they didn't like him. She said, what, what do they know? They, they're young people. She told her mom and dad about a pending marriage and her mother called her from Seattle. Her father called her from Tokyo. And they said, Ruth, just wait. Get to know him better. Let us get to know him better. Just wait. And she said, what do they know? They've never been single. They've never been a single mother. I know what's best for me. She's telling this on the funeral. And she says that she married this man on New Year's Eve, and within 24 hours, she knew she should not have. Within five weeks, she left him, running for her life. She now realized the only place that would receive her, or she could go to whether to receive her or not, would be to her mother and dad's house in Montreal, North Carolina. It was like a two-day journey. And she said she wept. She questioned. She said she was embarrassed to face them. What would mother say? Would she say, we told you so. We told you not to do it. We told you not to go. You, sort of like, not verbally, I mean literally. She said something like, you made your own bed. She said regarding her father, no girl wants to disappoint their father. She said nobody wants to disappoint Billy Graham. She's right. What would my father say? You've left. You're not welcome here. You have uh, smeared our name and we're not ready to give you any more chances. She said, they live on a mountain, and her car, as she drove, wind its way to the top of the mountain, around the last bend to where she'd see her parents' home, with tears in her eyes and her lip probably quivering. She saw her daddy. He helped her get out of the car. And he put his arms around her. And he said, welcome home. Welcome home. That's love. Unconditional love. Please stand. Oh, my, my, my. All of us have needed it. Say amen if you're one of us. All of us have needed the embrace of a father because we've been prodigal. 
a mother and father, Dr. Billy Graham and a mother, Ruth, never said, this is your last chance. You can't run from God where he can't find you. But the best thing to do is run to him. Would you bow, please? Hallelujah. I need for you to whisper a prayer of conviction on us. Now, it doesn't matter to me who sees you, see you, do not see you here. What matters to me is that we meet with Jesus. You say, Pastor, my worst days are behind me, and then I went ahead, and my worst days followed me. Your best days are ahead of you. Maybe you tried it your way, and you thought it'd get better. You don't know enough of God to try it his way, but you can today. So, Pastor, I don't want to become bitter. I want to become better. I need for Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I don't need to play around with it, Pastor. I need to say, you've confronted me, Jesus, and I'm not going to run out of church. I'm coming home. Would that be you if you'd step out in an aisle and come and stand here? We are not going to embarrass you. Matter of fact, I think we should have a celebration while you come down. Everybody put your hands together and let's celebrate them coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. I invite you. Come on in Jesus' name. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Here's a, a, another invitation. If you've gone away but you want to come home, come in Jesus' name. If you've gone dry but you need to be filled with the Spirit, come in Jesus' name. If you want to be better than you are in walking with Christ, come in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. If you don't care what anybody thinks about you, come in Jesus' name. Come on, church, you pray for these people. Come on, anyhow, hallelujah. Keep coming. You need to get on that winding road. And you need to stop at the Father's house. He's waiting for you. Come on. Nobody can do for you today what he wants to do. Oh, blessed Jesus. You know what? I'd like for you to sing that verse or so, of course, because I want others to, to step out in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. I, 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 the Holy Ghost is calling you. God is waiting on you. Who knew no he might become his righteousness. Humbled himself. Come on, come on. Once you get here, let's begin to praise him. Lift your hands and worship. All over the house. Let's lift our hands and worship. That's for us. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Here we go.
I want to make a, another appeal of a different kind. Would you like to come and stand for somebody today in this altar who need to know the unconditional love of God? Who need to find that in their storm God doesn't intend to kill them but to keep them? Come if that's if you'll stand for somebody else. Son, daughter, mom, dad, niece, nephew, co-worker, coach. Oh. Hallelujah. Now here's, here's what I'm going to do. And it may not be specifically to you. But I want you to do it for somebody else. Then we'll pray for you who are saved. These for those, this prayer is for those who are coming back to the Lord or coming to Him the first time. I want everybody in the church to repeat this prayer after me, whether you're saved or not, because I want you to encourage those who are coming into the kingdom. On the count of three, everybody repeat. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, just as I am, I come to you. You know me better than I know myself, than others know me. Look into my life. Wash and cleanse me of everything that is unrighteous. Today, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you Lord Jesus I believe that you died on the cross for my sins I believe that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus he will forgive me of my sins and save me and today Lord I need you to begin a new work in my life fill me with the Holy Spirit Lord Jesus, give me a love for your word and the house of God. Surround me, protect me from wrong influences. Keep me, God, from temptation and from evil. Today, Lord, write my name in your book of life. I thank you for washing me and cleansing me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you're, uh, and just Terry here, if you're comfortable enough with this, do it. If not, you don't have to, but stay right here. Put your hands on somebody's shoulder on either side of you because we're going to pray for each other. Somebody needs encouraging. Somebody needs to feel the love of the Lord. Go ahead right now. Go ahead. Open up your lips, your mouth. Come on, come on. I, I, I pray for fresh oil, fresh fire. I pray God for wayward children to come home. I pray for prisoners to be changed and when appropriate, set free I pray for marriages that are under attack to be healed come on come on Lord I pray for those who are sick in their bodies heal them I pray oh God for those who are running from God they're not in this church someplace else but God I pray that they would run towards you go ahead go ahead come on I pray for those who are bound uh, by substance, abuse, bad choices. Come on, pray with me. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
I, uh, I, I'm going to do next what I felt led to do in the first service. And that would involve you gentlemen. By the way, would you gentlemen, those already here, join us right here. And those of you right here, if you could just kind of give us, let them come. Come on. All you brothers. All you brothers. All my brothers. Just come on, come on. Whatever it takes, this is our moment with the Lord. I want all our brothers and others and sisters kind of surround them with love. I want to say to you gentlemen, it gets better with time. You're, you're, doing, you're doing some things in preparing yourself. You have submitted yourself to be a better man. It's going to get better. It's already got better. Uh, in the house, point this direction with your hands. Those of you nearby, lay your hands on these brothers. Thank you, Jesus. You brothers, just lay hands on each other. Let's pray for them, church. Oh, God, you have given these men the opportunity, Lord, to grow and develop in the ways of God. They've taken it. Lord, there's some things in their lives that uh, remains, Lord, that they need you to help. I don't know it individually, Lord, but I know this world, and I would say, God, that some of these men, a few of them may be married and need to make that work out. You can help that, Lord. Amen, church. They may even have children. They need their daddies in home. God, there be those here whose mother is praying for them, or daddy, and there be some of those here, God, who never knew a mother or father. But you'll be both of that to them today. God, when they leave uh, this ministry, they may need a job. They may need some money. They may need the right friends. A good place to go to church if they don't live nearby. I pray, come on with me, church. I pray that you would order their steps. I pray that you would baptize them in the Holy Ghost. I pray that whenever the devil took Christ to come back to tempt them with stuff that they have overcome, remove the devourer and the, and the liar and the tempter. Amen, church. Lord, I pray the angels of God would surround them. I pray, God, that you'd be their rear guard, their front guard around them. And above. Lord Jesus, right here in this crowd, you don't have to be a Billy Graham to be valuable to God. Thank you for Billy Graham, but you don't have to be him. You just have to be you serving the Lord. My brothers, I pray over you today. I pray that you would prosper. I pray that you would be healthy. I pray that you'd be protected. I pray that God would give you a song in the night. And I pray that you'd be able to dance in his presence. Because he rejoices in your delights in your praise. God bless you, my brothers.